Hello, hello, hello. It is December the 22nd, just a couple days before Christmas, and we are here at Anchored on Hope with Father Larry Richards. I'm Father Larry Richards, in case you haven't figured that out by now. I just come walking in the door, literally, because there was so much traffic to get up to the mall. It was, I thought I was going to be really late, but just a few seconds late. Anyway, first thing we got to do is pray. In the name of the Father and the Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Father God of love and mercy, we thank you that from the eternal ages you had a plan to save us by sending us your son Jesus so that he would save all of us from our sins. Everything you do, Father, is done out of love. Everything you do. Help us to receive that love, to receive the mercy that we find in Jesus Christ. And help us to celebrate Christmas, not just as an event that happened 2,000 years ago, but an event that happens every day of our life when we let Jesus Christ be born into our hearts. We beg you these things, Holy Father, in Jesus' holy name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good St. Joseph, Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Excuse me, I gotta turn off this heater which is driving me insane. It's too loud. There you go. I don't, you don't wanna see me go insane. It's just not a, it's not a good look for me uh, in case everybody's wondering. I usually get here early enough that I can do all that stuff, but not today. Anyway, so today we're going to focus on Christmas since we're so close to Christmas. And again, whenever you watch this uh, throughout the years, it could be in the middle of August, but it's still always Christmas because of the eternal now that God always is being born into our lives. You know, uh, someone I was Christmas shopping the other night up at the mall, which I hate to do. <laughs> I go running in there to... Uh, just to buy some stuff. And of course, everybody recognizes me when I go up there. And there was a, a, a very nice, uh, good woman who uh, cornered me. And while I, she didn't corner me, I sat there and said, hi. And I kept walking. And she, oh, uh, she says, uh, <laughs> she's not take a, that's the way she started the conversation. I'd take a bullet for you, but I'm not going to call your father. <laughs> okay, thanks. I'll call your pastor. Very good. And then she told me about, uh, I need to uh, get out of the church because there's such apostasy in the Catholic church. And I said, oh, there's apostasy in the Protestant church too. Yeah, I know, I know. And I says, uh, but then she sat there and continued about there's no such thing as transubstantiation. And uh, I just said, okay. And then, so I started to push back a little and I did not. This is the last thing I wanted to do, running into the mall, trying to get all these Christmas presents. I still have... Um, uh, what is it, uh, 32 presents to buy, which hopefully I'll do tonight. But anyway, so here I am in the, in, in the midst of all this, and she says, you people, there, you can never, you just keep re-killing Jesus. That's why I can never believe in the Mass. And I says, uh, oh, ma'am, we don't re-kill Jesus. Are you kidding me? There was once, one sacrifice for all. But again, in God's time, God lives in an eternal now. So Christ is being born now. Christ is dying on the cross now. Christ is at the Last Supper now. Christ is resurrected now. Christ is in heaven now. Everything is now. And so I used to have, again, we used to have, I talked about, when I was in seminary, we had what we called the, uh, 
liturgical Nazis because uh, they would always yell and scream because if I had Jesus out and put him in the manger at the manger scene in my room, Jesus isn't born yet. And people go like really crazy over this. And right now, and you know, uh, even online, people say, you know, the best thing about Catholics is we wait till Christmas to celebrate Christmas because we're an advent, we're an advent, we're an advent. And I, I just keep saying, first of all, Jesus Christ was born 2,000 years ago. And Christ wants to be born every day in our lives, but it's the same Christ. And so, again, we can go through the motions. Think about how many millions and millions of people celebrate Christmas and may or may not go to Mass or services or whatever, but it doesn't really matter if they just go through the motions. The real reality must be Jesus Christ must be born into your life. And not just as a little baby, he's born there, but then he has to be Lord there. huh? He's born there, but he has to be Lord there. You see how that uh, matches. And uh, Anyway, but Jesus Christ must be in your heart, must be in your life. It's just not even close enough to go through the motions of celebrating Christmas. You and I don't allow Jesus to be born inside of us. And so that's the reason we celebrate Christmas every year, to remind us that if he hasn't been born into us, he must be born into us. And to remind us if we haven't let him take full control, that we let him take full control. And that's why we do everything, that these completely redoing things isn't re- Jesus isn't being born again and again every Christmas. We're not celebrating a reborn of Christmas. We're celebrating a reborn of us, that we are reborn when Christ takes over our hearts and our lives. And that's what Christmas is about. And so as you meditate on Christmas this year, I really want you to think, has Christ been born in your life? Not do you go through the motions of celebrating Christmas and watching Father Larry on a podcast, please. Is Jesus born in your heart and your life? And does he have complete control of your heart and your life? Does he have to have complete control of my life? I mean, that's the, the reality, huh? Like yesterday, I went to confession to my classmate. And uh, it's always good, you know, to go to confession. I try to get people to make sure they go to confession for Christmas every year. Uh, they don't, of course, but I push. And... Um, And so as I went to confession, I really, uh, one of the things I confessed, if you want to hear, you know, might as well make public confession, but it's, sometimes I go through the motions. Can you imagine that I know everything I need to do? And uh, even in my prayer, you know, as much as I talk about prayer and everything else, and and I think it's okay sometimes to go through the motions uh, as long as we just want to be there, of our desire to be there. And in fact, uh, my classmate gave me a penance to go to the third week of Advent, Friday, third week of Advent, and read the, um, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, Liturgy of the Hours, but the Officer Readings, and read the letter from Augustine, or the teaching from Augustine, which I did. And it's very good. It just talk about, again, about does our desire is my desire to be with the Lord. And again, that's always my desire. Well, let me take that back. That's usually my (laughs) desire. There are days I don't want to be with him because I'm mad or I'm weary or I'm depressed or I feel so sinful that I don't want to walk into his presence. 
again, it's the same that all you struggle with is the same exact things I struggle with. But again, no, that's where discipline comes in, that we got to be disciplined enough that even if I don't feel like being there, that I'm there because I've made a commitment to be an hour with him every day. It's just period, period, period. And so even if I don't feel like it, even if I'm going through the motions, I'm still going to be with him. And again, as uh, I've said a million times before, if you have a baby and the baby's in your arms and you're holding that baby, you don't care if the baby's sleeping, distracted, pulling your ears, picking your nose, playing with your hair, as long as that baby desires to be with you. And you can always tell with babies because if you try to put them down, they'll scream. But you want to be with that. The baby wants to be with you. And so we just got to really want to be with God. That's why spiritually I like to tell people every year that one, one of the things you need to do for a practice this year is first of all, if you say the rosary, God bless you, and you should say it every day, especially on Christmas. But you have to enter into the mysteries. And so as you enter into the mystery of Jesus Christ being born, you got to be there. huh? You go to the manger, could have been a cave, a lot of tradition has. But you enter into that, you go in, and you first of all look at how dark it is. It's dark. They might have a can, an oil lamp or something there to bring some light. Uh, and also you get the stars that bring some light. If the moon was full, I have no idea whether it was. That would bring some light. But we're so used to light that it was still dark there. When Christ was born, he was the light that pierced that darkness. But anyway, there's hay there for all the animals. You can smell the urine and the feces and uh, the manure, all that stuff you can smell there. You can smell the, the, the reality of a barn in the middle of the night. You can hear all the animals just mowing or whatever or baying or whatever happened. And in the midst of that, you watch Jesus Christ be born. <laughs> Again, I, I try to get people to meditate on this mystery, and I did this years ago in Georgia. And uh, two women came up to me uh, very upset because I said the first one to receive communion in the hand was St. Joseph because Joseph was there when Mary was born and when Jesus was born and uh, was the first one to hold Christ. And, she, and they said, her modesty forbid that. Her modesty forbid that Joseph would see her naked. So, again, I think sometimes we... Um, whitewash everything that ever happened in scripture you know again that's why I always go back to you know when Jesus was on the cross naked and it's all a mess don't whitewash that don't just make pretty crucifixes see it the way it was because I think when everything is real instead of our pious thoughts and I'm not there it's never been defined how Jesus was born Aquinas said Jesus came through the womb like glass passes through uh um like oh, the light passes through glass, and every official teaching at church, more and more people believe Jesus was born like anybody else was born. Uh, but none of that matters. You watch Jesus be born, however you feel that the Lord was born. Again, never been defined as official Catholic dogma. So there is room there for uh, debating about how he was born. But beyond that, Jesus was born, Joseph holds him, 
puts him in Mary's arm, and there's the mother of the God of the universe, Mary, in this dark, surrounded by all the hay and all that smell, and God is born into that. That's how much God loves us. And you watch this, and you think, the humility of God to become a man and to be born in the midst of manure, of urine, of hay, of animals. Think about that. Here is God who holds all creation in his hand and he humbles himself to be born of a 14-year-old girl, tradition says, and to be in the hay and the manure and the urine. That's who God is. Great humility. We'd expect him to come and and uh, blow horns in front and have all people bow and do all that stuff. And again, that's just not who God is. The greatest attribute of God, well, I can't say if it's the greatest attribute, but the one God, the one virtue that God must choose is to be humble. So God chooses to be humble for you and for me. And so here you sit there when you look at this little baby in the arms of Mary and you're just amazed that the God of the universe is in a human person's body and being held by a little girl, a young girl. And again, 14 was way different than 14 today. Huh? People were dead usually by 35. Um, so here's this young girl holding Jesus and in the midst of the darkness and maybe him murmuring or crying, who knows, Mary looks at you and says, here, would you like to hold him? And then you take the God of the universe and you hold him in your arms. And you're looking at the God of the universe who holds all things in his hand. All, every single planet, every single universe, God holds in his hand and now he's a baby. And you're just looking and you're holding that God who holds all creation in his hands. You hold him in your arms. And you just sit with him. It's one of the greatest things to do on Christmas Day is just hold Jesus in your arms and sit with him. And as you're with him, thank him for being born for you. Thank him for wanting to become, for his great audacity of humility, that this God would do that because he wants to save you. Love came to you to save you. Again, the only way we can talk about God is God is love. And I know people want to scream and yell and carry up and down and how God's going to get us all. <sighs> but God is love. That is who he has been revealed. Is there punishment in love? Yes. Is there justice in love? Yes. Is there mercy in love? Yes. But this is the God. This is the way he starts. This is the way he calls you and me to repentance. That's why I think that even bad Christians still love Christmas, or even pagans still love Christmas, because there's something about when God becomes a man to save us. Christmas is, as we talked about uh, last week, is the greatest hope. 
that here is God came and was born, and this little baby was going to save us, right? Again, if you listened to my homily last Sunday, or you listened, if you were at my penance service on Monday, I just came back to Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And you shall name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Here was a God who was born to die. So, this God who began his life amidst of animals, manure, smell, is the same God who ended his life in the midst of people screaming after he was tortured, couldn't breathe, suffocated on the cross, and gave up his life. Again, when Pope Benedict, if you ever want to read one of the greatest encyclicals ever, in my opinion, is you read his encyclical called God is Love. And it's very simple. I mean, John Paul II was very hard to understand, for me anyway. But Benedict is very simple to understand, especially uh, his God is love thing. He says, you want to know what love is? You know what, you, do you know, do you want to know what it means when we say God is love? He said, you go to the cross and you go to the side of Jesus that was just pierced as water and blood flows out. This is what we mean when we say God is love. So, that's about the humility of God who lets us kill him so he can save us. The same humility of God that was born in a barn or a manger, which means bread. There's all kinds of symbolism there, of course, and I'm not going to get into all that because I'm not going to have time, I see. But just to sit there and to know that we got to know who God is. And we don't tell God who he is. He tells us who he is. And so he is the God of great humility. And it's this humility, it's the way he comes to us so that we can receive him and we can be saved by him. When you and I know that the God left, God of the universe left heaven, became a man, to be born for us, to show us how to love, to show us how to live. And then he died for us to save us from our selfish sin. Because sin is primarily a selfishness of doing things our way, huh? And that's why, like when, when, you, when you get ready for confession, uh, you got to make sure you're focusing on how you're selfish, how am I selfish, how do I want to do it my way instead of God's way? Where do I lack humility? Because when he came and was born, it was to teach us something. To be lowly, to be little, to be humble. And so he was born to teach us how to live. But many of us, again, myself included a lot of times, are not living his example. We like to judge others. We like to put our faith above others. There's no humility, and that's, again, the way I have to check myself when I'm teaching, when I'm preaching, the way I have to check and uh, focus on, um, you know, to try to discern what's of God and what isn't of God. You always look for humility there, 
Huh? You got to look for that humility. And if there is no humility, then it's not of God. And again, uh, the saints used to say the one thing that the devil can never imitate is he can never imitate humility. He can't even try to pull it off. So this Christmas, every Christmas, every day is about the humility of God and how we're called to be like him, how we're called to let Jesus in our uh, in our hearts and our lives. So again, when you and I are focusing this Christmas on holding Jesus, and please take time for this in your prayer. I know that uh, your families are going to be busy and different things. I'm going to... Uh, uh, I have nothing planned for Christmas Day. I have a couple people who have invited me over to their place, and I will hopefully graciously go, but I might not, depending on how... Uh, how things go it's been a it's been a bad week for me you know literally and why do I even share this stuff but uh, like almost every night this week I've been crying because I miss my mother and I remember last uh, last Christmas when I was I took my mother out for breakfast we all got together and I said I have to get back up to Erie mom because I have mass she says why do you have to leave me and I says because it's Christmas I'm a priest I have to say mass and she says I don't care about Christmas I only care about you. And oh my gosh. I preached on that last year, but boy, it keeps hitting me. It keeps coming back. And then, of course, with my sister gone and everything else, it's just going to be a hard Christmas. Knowing that I'll be holding Jesus and knowing the Jesus that I hold holds my mother, holds my sister, holds my brother-in-law, holds my cook, holds them all. But it's still hard. And... That's okay, huh? But in, in the midst of that, so in, in, in spite of all of us, because there's some of you it's going to be a hard Christmas, it's some of you it's going to be lonely, it's some of you it's going to be um, all those things, but what you and I need to do when we are holding this Lord Jesus Christ in our arms is just think about, he did all this for me. That Jesus was born for you. And it, when you let him live in your heart, you're not, not only ever alone, but all the people that are in Jesus are part of you. So when you and I get to hold Jesus, we can reflect on the reality that I get to do more than hold him. Like at Mass every day, I ask people to let Jesus hold you. And it's good to take turns about whether he holds you or you hold him as a baby. But then to know that that's not where it stays, that Jesus was born in Nazareth, the house of bread, in a manger which feeds others to feed us. And again, I sometimes think that we just look at that uh, Jesus uh, Eucharist as uh, just an element to eat, like a vitamin pill or a, uh, a piece of bread only. But again, the beauty, that's what the, the woman was sitting there saying to me the other day, excuse me, there is no transubstantiation that's made up. And I said, oh, my dear, I promise you there is. If not, Jesus Christ was a liar. When he said, this is my flesh, then he was lying. And he led us all astray. When he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, uh, you will have no life in you, then Jesus is a liar. He led us all astray.
But so what we believe, of course, is that this Jesus, who was born as a person, a human being, feeds us with his very self. Again, it's not just a symbol. It's not a piece of bread to remind us of Jesus. She kept saying to me, do this in memory of me. Absolutely. Do this in memory of me. Meaning, have the mass in memory of me. Uh, give your life away in memory of me. But it isn't a symbol. Nowhere in the Bible does it say it's a symbol. Nowhere in the scripture. Every place in the scripture, it talks about my flesh is real food, my blood is real drink, all that stuff. So anyway, besides the point. When we come and we hold Jesus and an Easter Mass, which is Christmas, the Christ Mass, that's what Christmas means, of course, that at the Mass, this Jesus, we don't just get to hold, we get to receive him in the Eucharist. Remember a couple weeks ago when I reflected on Advent, I talked about, you know, Mary got to have Jesus, the God of the universe, inside of her for nine months. But we get Jesus inside of us from the moment we're baptized. Huh? Galatians 2, 19 and 20, you better know that by now with me. I have been crucified with Christ, so the life I live now is no longer my own. Jesus Christ lives inside of me. That's always, that's forever. He just doesn't come in and come out. Come on, stop that stuff. He lives inside of me. And when you and I receive communion, it's a physical uh, transference. It's that, that intimacy that God is physically present there. So he's spiritually present always, and he's physically present when we have received the Eucharist. But he doesn't leave us. That's still the reality. huh? And so that's why it's so important we go to Mass and we receive Jesus and it becomes... I've got to see a lot of my parishioners this last week who I haven't seen in two, three years, some of them. And so I would hug them, and they say, oh, Father, we miss you. And I said, you get your butt to Mass, you understand? And... Uh, and so they would laugh, and some of them might curse me under their breath later. But the reality is, I don't say that so I can have a full church. I say that because they're missing the greatest gift, union with Jesus in his physical body, blood, in the Eucharist. Huh? That's why when the, we say, give us this day our daily bread, it means our daily bread that we get to receive Jesus every day. And so I'd encourage you, if, if, again, if you're retired and you can get out of the house or you don't have a job or you're working, uh, I mean, you have your kids, take them to daily mass. Go to daily mass. Make the reality of Christ be born into your life physically every time you go to mass. So you should desire that reality to become one with Jesus Christ. Well, it's the greatest gift we have. And that's why when people don't buy it, you know, and they don't think, well, that ain't real. It's because they've never spent time and they have been taught wrongly. That's what I said to this woman. I said, you've just been taught wrongly. I said, I promise you I know Jesus. Well, she says, I know you know Jesus. Well, good. And I promise you I know Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. That's why I spent an hour with him every day. I wouldn't waste my time uh, if I didn't believe in the real physical presence of Jesus. And I know that Jesus is with me all the time. I can talk to him on a plane. I can talk to him in a bar. I can talk to him anywhere. Jesus is always with me. 
But when I get to receive him physically, oh. And so Christmas is very much about the Eucharist, very much. He becomes bread for us. He's born of the house of bread in Bethlehem. I don't know if I called that Nazareth earlier, but it's Bethlehem is the house of bread in a manger that feeds others. So this is what our God comes to do. So not only is God humble enough to be born in a manger, not only is God humble enough to die on the cross and be killed by us, the people he created, and he did it for us, our God continues to humble himself in the most blessed sacrament. That the God the universe cannot contain allows us to hold him in our hands. And we can desecrate him. We can abuse him. Once uh, Cardinal O'Connor, God rest him, was giving out communion at St. Patrick's Cathedral in in New York City, and there was a group of radical, uh, uh, a group of radical um, homosexuals. I forget uh, they had a particular name, and uh, they all came in and they were dressed in drag and everything else. And uh, one came up, and I don't know if that person was dressed. I have no idea. Uh, all I remember is <laughs> seeing their. Uh, I'm guessing they were very took. The uh, Blessed Sacrament, Jesus, when um, uh, the Cardinal O'Connor said the body of Christ and gave it to the person, the person threw Jesus on the ground and stamped on him. Now, if I was there, I'd have knocked the guy out. <laughs> Isn't that bad? Oh, jeez, I know. But not O'Connor O'Connor, and he was a big guy, and he was in the service. I think he had the sense that God can take care of himself and that God feeds himself to us in the Eucharist to continue to humble himself before us. Just like we killed him on the cross, some people kill him in the Eucharist when they desecrate him and not only uh, stamping on him after you receive him, but if you have unrepented sin, and you go to communion, it's the same thing. It's a sacrilege, huh? It's blasphemy. And so this is who God is. So every Christmas, God tells us who he is. Humility, humility, humility. And reminds us we must be like him. Humility, humility, humility. And I am very much aware that I am not the best example of humility, humility, humility. But I am also know that this is what God calls me to and he calls you to. You don't have to pray for the grace. He'll give it to you anyway, huh? <laughs> and you won't like it. That's why I say someone says, you should pray for patience, Father. I will not pray for patience because the stuff that will happen will be crazy. No, I'm not doing that. How about humility? I, uh, he'll make me humble all by himself. But do I desire humility? Absolutely because I want to be like God. And only a humble person can truly be a person of love because God proves what love is when he became incarnate in humility. So there can be no true love without humility. 
That's why, though this is the season that shows us humility, and it's a season of hope, Christmas is the time of love. And love is always more concerned about others, part of humility, where we go out of our way uh, to do what we can for others. Huh? Uh, I'm not a very humble person in my personality, but like I buy over, uh, what is it, 68 uh, different people presents, and each one gets at least three presents, and um, that's why I'm always trying to get stuff. But thanks be to goodness, Amazon finally came to be. Um, some people say, like, ah, oh, what's this? What's the best I can do? That's, uh, that's always the thing. It's the best I can do. So uh, even when people, if they talk about, like, uh, why do I need this? Well, it's uh, me trying to, I can just give you money. But is that really what it's about? It's just giving you money. I wanna. I do think about these things. I think about will these people like the stuff and that. So I get it. But so that's why we give gifts, huh? And it's just the 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 greatest way to show our love, and it takes a humility to do our best or whatever. So this Christmas, spend some time holding Jesus. Thank Him for being born for you, for dying for you. Thank Him for loving you so much that he would come to save you from your sins. That's what you thank him for. And then pray to imitate him, that as he was humble, that you and I would be humble, that as his whole life was to love, that our whole life will be to love. Get it? Got it? Are you going to do it? May each of you know his love this Christmas, and always. Amen. Okay, 3.34, and I'm going to have to leave a little early this uh, day too because I have to go, and before I see my shrink, um, work out all this stuff that's been going through my emotions this last week, I got to drop off a present to somebody who was supposed to be sent to their house, you know, and uh, Amazon sent it to my place, but at least they're in Erie. So anyway, it helps. So let's get in here and let's start taking some questions. Merry Christmas to you, Father Larry. Thank you very much. Uh, is it wrong to have a funeral for somebody who states that he doesn't want one? <laughs> no, I think that uh, you're doing the best you can especially like my mother told me years ago, she says, now, Larry, when I die, I don't want a, uh, I don't want a viewing. I said, it doesn't matter, mother. It's not for you anyway. You'll be dead. We do it for the rest of us because we need healing. And he says, okay. <laughs> but still, you know, sometimes it's not about them. So when you have a funeral mass for somebody, you're doing everything in your power to get them to heaven. So I think that's a, a good thing. Good evening, Father and all. Absolutely good to hear from you, Harry. Priscilla. Happy Advent, Father Larry. I enjoy your Thursday show so much. Thank you. I take both Advent and Merry Christmas. I like them both. Um, Father, as we ease COVID restrictions, do you have a special trick for avoiding the hunger of the sign of peace? The hugger at the sign of peace. That's why I always tell people every week at my Mass, I say, don't touch people from your party because it's not just... Uh, and I've changed on this because when I was younger and I says, the worst that happens, you get, uh, you get a cold and you die, you get to go to heaven. But there's such fear in people, especially the older people and other people just 
don't get it. You know, no, I ain't going to do this. When, you know, they refuse to wear masks before. And I'll touch anybody I want. And they impose themselves on others, even though other people are afraid. And I think like a sign of peace, if someone comes to hug you, they should have enough uh, thing about uh, peace to you. I'm sorry, I, I'm not, I can't touch anybody right now. And I think after all this, most people will get that. Because uh, when I did missions and that during the thing, people would not hug me. And I said, I can't. Uh, because what happens is if you give me something, not just COVID, flu and everything, people are dying from flu uh, a lot now too. Then I come back to my parish and I give it to somebody else. That was just unkind of me, you know. So, it, and again, people are like, well, you're just afraid. I've had COVID twice. You know, I get flus usually every Christmas. I've got the flu, whatever, but... I'm just trying to save other people, you know, because they're afraid. And I always think that Jesus wouldn't go against and, you know, in all humility, he wouldn't do that. So if we force ourselves on others, that's not humility. That's trying to say, well, this is what I believe in. You're going to have to deal with it. There's not one ounce of humility in anyone that says that. So just ask a person, I, I'm just, uh, I can't whatever, I can't do that, and let them know. And usually, if they care about you, and even if for the sign of peace, they'll sit there and usually will st uh, step off and not do that to you. But it does put you in an awkward situation. I get it. Good afternoon, sunshine. Uh, in light of Father Provone's being laicized, what does it mean exactly, and what constitutes an offense that results in being removed from the priesthood? The biggest thing is I'm not judging Father Provone. Who am I, you know? But the reason is not because he was pro-life, even though everybody's been trying to make that the reason he stands up pro-life. His bishop, he was being disobedient to. And again, he stated something like, well, Rome, you know, whenever he heard it, uh, Rome didn't speak to me. Well, again, if I was to be laicized, the Holy Father wouldn't call me either. I'd be laicized through my bishop. Every priest must be under a bishop. And in humility, what helps us to be humble as a priest is we take a vow, a vow, not just once, but Father Provone and I and every priest there is takes a vow of obedience twice when we are ordained a tra traditional deacon and when we ordained a priest. Will you... Uh, we're taught to be obedient. And so the bishop of where he was at, and he was originally ordained for the Archdiocese of New York, but for whatever reason, he went to the diocese down, I forget which diocese it was, in uh, Texas. And his bishop called him back um, to, to leave his ministry and go into a parish, which he has a right to do. Again, I can't tell my bishop what I want to do. I took a vow of obedience. So if he pulled me from anything I'm doing, then I got to obey him. I made a vow to God that I would do that. And Father broke that vow many times, we're told. I don't know that directly. Um, but in the things I have read, um, and there's something out there from the, uh, the pillar. It, it, uh, it does, they, whoever put that, usually I don't agree with a lot of the stuff they've put out before, but this is a very balanced article about why Father Provone was laicized. 
But if a priest is not obedient, then he's not being a priest of God. That's for me. That's for everybody. But today, everybody thinks that their judgment is more important than the Pope's judgment or their bishop's judgment. You cannot be a priest in good standing without a bishop, period. And so, uh, when any priest, not just Father Pavone, there's many out there today, that sit there and refuse to be obedient, the, the problem there is humility. And so, but again, I've met him briefly once, a lot of respect for him. Again, I'm, I'm very pro-life. I think what he's done for the church has been fantastic. But he is not above obedience to his bishop, to the pope, to Rome. None of us are. And so, and I, I was quite shocked when I heard he was, uh, it cannot be repealed. So they said they've contacted him, but for him to, re, again, this is just from looking on. What we got to do for Father is pray, pray for him, because he still can be a great, great uh, minister to save uh, abort, uh, save babies from being aborted. But again, though, before uh, people go crazy and just say the church is all bad, you always don't know what's going on. You just don't know. Uh, that's all. That's all I can say. But please pray for him. He was a good man, uh, and he's now uh, as a laicized person. He's still a priest. You are a priest forever. He can still hear confessions. He can still say mass. If he was to say a, a public mass, that would be illicit because it'd be again an explicit disobedience uh, to the the Holy Father himself and to his bishop. But it was the bishop that made the decision. And then the Holy Father after, you know, and again, it's a group underneath the Holy Father, but it still had to go to Francis himself for him to do that. But he's still a priest, but he can't act as a priest. He has, uh, he's now been laicized. And Rome says we are to call him Mr. Pavone, no longer father. But again, that's a hurtful thing for him. Oh my, I can't even imagine. And hurtful for a lot of the people. But we still got to be obedient. Huh? So I get it. I know. Um, for whatever reason, my glasses are going, I can't read things. Okay. Heard a thud. Are you okay, Father? <laughs> I'm fine. I don't know what the thud was from. Who knows? They're probably, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so I don't know where the thud came, thud came from. Merry Christmas, Father Larry. God bless you. Thank you. The peach jam on 22nd. It was bad today. It usually isn't that bad, but I was like, so I got here. It was just 3 o'clock. It just turned 3 o'clock, so I was like, okay. Elizabeth, hi, Father. So glad to see, to be on with you. I watch your daily mass and your programs. You enrich my days. Thank you very much. Shows God can use any jackass. That's all I ever say. I was a jackass, still a jackass, and God said, I need a jackass. And I said, okay, I'll do anything you want. And uh, I tried it best. Um, yeah, I try not to be phony, but we all have, um, you know, some people say, uh, I don't go to church because they're all hypocrites. And I always say, oh, you'll fit right in. I fit right in, so uh, we'll all fit in. Whenever, when, everyone doesn't think that, when everyone doesn't think that they have hypocrisy in them, you know, it's pride. We all have hypocrisy in us. Every person I've ever met has some type of hypocrisy. But again, I do try to keep it real as much as I possibly can. You know, people are sitting like at our Christmas party with the um, 
we had a Christmas party at my rectory the other day, and uh, it's the, all the staff from the foundation and all the staff from my parish and their spouses. So we had 19 people there. And we laughed. We had a fine time. And so one of the people says, well, could you imagine, Father, if people saw you uh, here now on, on video and everything else? I says, I would hope they would. I have nothing to hide, right? You know, so like, again, when I do a mission or I do a uh, priest retreat and I sit there and say, oh, Father, I don't give money to the poor, they tell me, because they might use it to drink. And I say, I use it to drink, too. You put money in the collection. I buy... Uh, a captain or something with it, or like the priest, yes. Um, so, I, again, I just, I've never been one that people want to sit there and say, oh, Father, so holy, holy, holy. You know, uh, Philip Neary, great saint. He was a saint of joy. But they say he used to tell off-coward jokes so people wouldn't think he was holy, that they, he never wanted people to look at him. Now, again, my scripture this morning was in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. And uh, it says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And I think that Christ didn't look holy. That's why the Pharisees didn't like him. He hung out with sinners, you know. He um, hung out, you know, and told prostitutes, I don't, I'm not here to, uh, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. I think of if anyone was the most real person there ever was, was Jesus Christ. I am absolutely convinced he never came off as pious. I am absolutely convinced. That's why people would call him a drunkard and a glutton. So you got to be real, but you can't fall in to doing every, what everybody else does. But again, uh, thank you. It's all, it's all keep it real, but keep it holy. Uh, meaning that we got to be real, but we always got to do God's will, whatever that is. So if God told me, I want you to stop doing that, then I got to stop doing that. I want you to do that, then I got to do that. So it's always that we pray and that we uh, are just following him. Okay. Hi there, Father. Wishing a blessed Christmas. Thank you, Mary. Harry, having witnessed childbirth, I've never done that. Even simple ones. At the point of delivery, women really are not worried about modesty. <laughs> I can see Joseph, his hard carpenter's hands, cradling the infant. That's a fantastic image. Thanks, Harry. Hi, Father. I love your morning mass. Thank you. Uh, Father, you can count on my prayers for Christmas. Thank you. It's going to be tough for one for me too. Thanks, Tom. I'm, there's going to be a lot of people it's tough for. If uh, you're part of the foundation, you'll get to, I'll send out my easing tomorrow for Christmas. And then on there's my letter, that my personal letter that I send out to people, my family and friends throughout the years. This year, I just didn't have it in me to send physical things, but I'm going to do it email. I don't like the email ones where they just come and, uh, you know, it's a, uh, whatever fast email but people can uh, download this so i'm sending them the pdf so they can download it and keep it just as if i sent them but you can get that by just going if you're on our our, our list you'll get it tomorrow if not you can also just go to uh, uh st joe's bol.org which is my parish's website at the very top right under uh, at, as soon as you get there, even on your phone, it gives you the Christmas mass schedule and it says Merry Christmas. And then in white, it has uh, Christmas message, from f Christmas letter from Father Larry. And you can click it and download it on your phone or different things. And it just shares about what I've went through this year and um, what we can do for Christmas, even when it's hard. Okay, so. Boy, I don't know what's wrong with my eyes today. 
Okay. Thanks, Caden. I understand losing family. I've lost mine too, so I will pray for you, Father. I will pray for peace, a place of sympathy and empathy. You're a wonderful blessing. Thank you, Caden. And we'll be praying for you again for Christmas. I'm going to be praying for everybody who's, it really makes it different when you go through it, huh? Uh, I mean, when I lost my father, I was young. And, uh, and you kind of heal after all these years. So it just takes time, that's all. Greetings from Manchester, United Kingdom. Ah, I love London. I do. I haven't been to Manchester yet, but so. Thank you so much, Father, for your spiritual help over the last year. Absolutely. Um, I love the good format, this new format, Anchor and Hip. Thank you. Hi, Father. How come it seems when Christmas is celebrated on Sundays, Epiphany is never the first Sunday after New Year's? I see next year it's celebrated on Friday the 6th. Well, it's always uh, Epiphany is uh, the 6th, but in America, uh, if you're not in America, we are celebrating Epiphany this Sunday. Um, just going to make sure. I just checked on this this morning. So we do celebrate. If you look at the, um, for the daily masses, daily mass readings, and you go to... Um, UCCB, which is the, you know, the official thing of uh, the bishops. And if you go to, today's the third week, and if you go down to uh, whatever, it's the first, so November, December 1st, it's the Solemnity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And then I went, and if we go to, let me just double check because I hate to say things wrong and then feel bad about it. Yet still January 6th is in the United States anyway, a uh, weekday, and then the 8th of January, the following Sunday, is the time we celebrate Epiphany. So it, it is this year. So uh, I don't know about previous years, but so but the 6th is traditionally when most of the world celebrates uh, uh, Epiphany. It's always been a 6th, but in America, we usually put it to a Sunday. Okay. I will be, I will bail you out, Father, if you ever need it. Just text LeJohn. Okay, you got it. Audrey, Audrey, we just, I just got your present today in the mail. Thank you. Um, Father, adoring my Jesus, in that I am out of control with loss of Val, Mary, Bethy. I know, Sandy, you got it. Again, just focus on Jesus and not yourself. That's what I keep trying to do when I get crazy and I start crying and get emotional. Go up in front of the Blessed Sacrament and say, Jesus, keep me focused on you, not myself. Help me not to feel sorry for myself, which I can do. Um, I don't know if any of else does that, but I can get that way. Um, continue to pray for my daughter, Lorraine. You got it. She just came from the doctor's third round of biotics. Okay, we will. Merry Christmas to Joe. Joe, you got to pray for my dog, Joe. I know uh, people don't want to believe it about praying, but I got him a new treat yesterday. It's about this big, and it's made of rubber uh, or plastic. And then inside, you put a thing, and you put peanut butter in. So I put that in, and he was eating it fine. And then uh, my secretary goes and says, uh, Father, he's eating it. And he ate the whole inner green stick. Now, I don't know. Hopefully, he ate, he ate it up, you know, piece by piece. It would still be bad, but if he ate that whole thing, it's about this big. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I just don't know. I mean, I don't know. 
but everybody, my my secretary, my uh, director of ministry says, we should just take him and have him x-rayed. I said, it'll cost $4,000 to have if he has to get that taken out. I said, let's see if, and he's been fine. He's been running around, going to the bathroom, eating everything else. So I don't know. So pray that it passes uh, naturally. If you would, I better go on to some of these here. Okay. Father, can you please address the subject of suicide? And which our and where our church stands on this is it a forgive is it a forgivable sin? Yes, of course it is. It used to be that we wouldn't bury people who commit suicide, but now we do. Why? Because to commit any kind of sin, especially mortal, you need serious matter, which suicide is, full knowledge, which they may excuse me or may not know, and full consent of the will, which ninety nine percent of people who commit suicide do not know. So I always ask people, like I've had kids and everything else, and many people throughout the years commit suicide. And so when I bury them, I put out a, I ask people to say the Divine Mercy Chapel for them and put their name in, like I do it so often, you know, uh, for so many people, because of a sorrowful passion, have mercy on Joe and on the whole world. And so then you've taken the grace of God, and, and because God lives in the eternal now, he can take that and place that at the moment of the person's death. And again, one of the things I've talked about many times is uh, apparently to uh, Jesus said to Sister Faustina, when a person dies, he goes to that soul and begs them three times to receive his mercy before he would damn them. And I believe that. Why? Because our God is a God of humility. Hmm. And he still is. He doesn't stop being a God of humility. Never does. Never does. Okay. So we got to finish here. I'm not going to get through everybody here. Merry Christmas. Have you seen a nativity story? Uh, I haven't. I have it, but I still haven't read. That'd be a good thing to do for Christmas for me. I might do that this year. I was very upset when I went to a different church on Saturday night, and it was very disturbing that soon as they had the Eucharist, everyone ran out the door. Yeah, not you weren't at my church. Drives me crazy. It happens all the time. But anyway, let's see. Daily Mass this week, I saw an older man coughing, seasoning in a mask. Uh, used tissues open and uh, took two tooks for God, forgive me, but at communion, I walked from the back pew to receive before that man, God forgive me. He just got out of the hospital. Was that a sin? No, it was your weakness, that's all. Um, of course, someone's trying to call me here. I prayed for him. Good job. Anyway, I got to go. I'm sorry I can't get to all the questions here today. But I want you to know that I'll remember each of you at my Christmas Masses. Uh, we have Mass at 4.15 at midnight, which is still midnight, and at 10 a.m. in the morning. The midnight and the 10 a.m. will be live streamed, so you can uh, watch that there. And um, I will be praying for you uh, throughout the Christmas season. Remember Christmas is 12 days. Do not put those Christmas trees away until after the 6th of January. It's 12 days. It's such a powerful, 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 powerful celebration of Christmas. We, we can't contain it in a day. We need 12 days. So be one of those people that do that and be grateful. Huh? So I'm praying for you. I love you, every one of you. Have a very Merry Christmas. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He was Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.
God bless you. Merry Christmas. Maybe. There you go.